So again, it's really promoting and fostering that environment where you're making it a safe environment and a welcoming environment. And I believe that's where we'll get success. Welcome to Ambition Theory, Women in Construction. This show asks questions that everybody is thinking about, but doesn't want to say out loud. It's about tackling complex topics like why are there so few women in senior leadership positions? What is it going to take to change this? Each episode is a combination of motivation and tactical strategies to get ahead. We get out of our comfort zones and we take action. We learn, grow, and create opportunities. I am your host, Andrea Jansen, a certified executive coach with an MBA, and since 2018, I've coached over a thousand construction professionals to level up their leadership. Let's get started. Brad Cole is the president and CEO of Lafarge Western Canada. Lafarge is Canada's largest provider of sustainable construction materials and a member of the global group Holson. In this episode, Brad talked about Lafarge's strategy to promote women internally to grow and excel within the company, the barriers that women face when entering the construction industry, how to shift your mindset to lead change in your company, why you can't rely on the past to predict the future, and why Lafarge's Women in Leadership initiatives are always on the executive team's agenda. I am so honored that Brad shared his wisdom with me. I can't wait to share this interview with you today. Hello. Brad, welcome to Ambition Theory Women in Construction. I am honored that I get to interview you today. Can you introduce yourself and share what excites you about the construction industry? Sure. Well, good morning, Andrea. Brad Cole, President and CEO of Lafarge Western Canada. So I've been in my role for just going over four years. So it's been a, Western Canada is my home. So it's been great to, to lead this team here in Western Canada. What excites me from a construction standpoint is just the rapid change that happens in the construction industry. You can see the fruits of your labor that you're actually building buildings around you, building roads around you. So you see the reward from the work that you put in, in the communities you live in. So that's, it's exciting. And every day is, is never the same. How long have you worked in the industry for? So 32 years now, I actually started in the construction industry right out of post-secondary school. Awesome. And has that entire time been with Lafarge? No, I actually started my career with, with Kiwit in Edmonton. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing that with us. The reason we're here today is that Lafarge is taking some serious steps to attract and retain women and bring them into construction, which is a great career path. Can you tell me why Lafarge has put all of these efforts on attracting more women and helping them grow their careers and get more women into leadership? Over the last 15 years, we've probably put a better effort into understanding that it's important to make sure that we treat women fairly. And we have to start by getting them in, in starting positions in the company and working with them and building their confidence and elevating them within the company. More recently, we've really tried to engage all levels of management to make sure that they understand that we need women to be in all segments of our business so we can promote through the value chain like we would with any other employee. So really it's just making sure that we treat women and all employees fairly to give them the opportunity to grow and excel within our company and make sure that people are excited about some of the things that we're doing is making sure that we have women supporting women and also the male counterparts, making sure that they support that so we can drive success. Now, once you see success, you know, the old cliche success, the great success, and you start to see 
the chain really take off and people really understand how do we make this harmonious relationship between men and women work in the construction industry. Can you share some of those successes that you talked about? Yeah, I think, um, you know, at all levels of our organization, we now have uh, women at uh, a senior uh, leader uh, executive part in our organization here in Western Canada. And plus, uh, again, personally, I've seen the success of, of young women that, uh, that I hired over 20 years ago and remember those conversations with them and seeing how they progress their career and have taken chances uh, all different aspects from administration to sales to operations. And now they're running significant parts of uh, in our organization. So for me, that's always a proud moment to see young people and especially young women that can progress and be successful in our business and be supported to be successful. Brad, I'm curious what you think the obstacles are to attracting women to the construction industry, because right now in Canada, only 13% of the workforce is women and that includes everything. So admin, on-site operations, that's everything. So I'm just really curious what you think the barriers are. Yeah, I, I think the barriers are really making sure that we create a safe workspace for women in our operations. So that goes from making sure that there is change facilities and washroom facilities for women. So they feel safe that they can work in an environment and have their own area to change. We have to adapt and modify some of the facilities. Then really overall is just making sure that we create an environment that fosters change and coaching and mentoring to say, hey, this is the job you can do and make sure that they're given the opportunity and making sure that they feel safe, that they can take a chance and go try and do a job versus saying, I can't do the job and worry about you know what everybody's going to think. So. Again, it's really promoting and, and fostering that, that environment where you're making it a safe environment and, and a welcoming environment. And I believe that's where we'll get success. I love that you pointed out like two aspects of it. So one is the physical work environment. And then there's also the cultural work environment. So the physical work environment, make sure like, you know, women and men can go to work. They don't have to look for special treatment because we've heard that all the time. I've heard this all the time. Oh, they didn't have a bathroom. The PPE doesn't fit. That comes up all the time. So I love that you mentioned that. But also it's not just about the physical environment. It's about the culture. You need that sense of belonging. And I love that that's on your agenda because that is what's going to get people to say because they're going to see that they do belong and they're going to have that support to grow their career. So thanks for sharing that. But I am really curious. You are an advocate for women in construction. And I'm just really curious about any work that you had to do on yourself to kind of get to this point where you're comfortable talking about this, you're getting out of your comfort zone, you're challenging people to act differently, to look at their own biases. What did you have to do in order to get to this point? Yeah, I think it's it's a personal mindset change to say, what other things can we do that are outside the box? I think with any segment of the population is saying, hey, here's 50% of the population in the construction industry that we're not necessarily accessing as well as we could. In these employment times, it's a huge part that we could be accessing. From my standpoint, I think it's continuing to understand and message people below you and talk about it openly, making sure that the opportunities are fair and for everyone. And the same coaching and mentoring effort go into women as would any other male. In your ambition theory that I sat in on is removing those uh, women and men biases of what we think about each other and really developing that open communication. I really believe that open communication and dialogue will get across the line because if each other party is thinking differently, but they never talk about it or say, how do we make this more inclusive for women, but women never ever talk to men, 
about it, we'll never know. Like I said, it has to be an equal two-way dialogue. And then I think we start moving the needle faster and quicker. I love that you brought up that session that we did. So we did a free session for Women in Construction Week in March of 2022. It's really interesting because companies reached out to us and said, Andrea, what can men do? How can we involve men in this conversation? I really wasn't sure what the best way forward would be. And that session that you came to, Brad, it was actually completely transparent. It was a test. These companies say they want something. What is it? I don't know what that looks like, but maybe if we invite them into the conversation, that could be a great place to start. So that's how we met. And I'm, I would love it if you could share what you learned from kind of being invited into the conversation. Also, one thing at Ambition Theory, I don't know if you remember, we always show up a slide that there's no judgment. So we don't judge you. We don't want other people in the group to judge other people and then don't judge yourself. So really coming into the conversation in this judgment-free environment, can you talk about what that was like for you? Yeah, it was very good. I mean, even though it was sort of a late invite and I had to juggle a few things in my schedule, I think it was good for me to listen in on the perspective of women talking openly. It goes back to my previous comment about just that dialogue, because if we don't understand what the dialogue is, we don't understand where the challenges are it's tough to get better, right? So for me, the learning experience was, you know, I have a preconceived notion of what I'm doing. Is that good enough? It was good to hear not only from women from my own company, but women from other companies understand, okay, what are they facing? Is there things that we can work on? Can we break down those challenges and figure those things out? And again, keep coming back to, for me, is just removing those biases. Instead of making it a problem that we can't get over, what is the solution we need to do to get over the hump is what we really all need to think of is in any situation, if anybody comes and tells you what the problem is, but never has a solution, you're never going to progress and move forward, right? That's what we're really talking about is the past is not going to be a good indicator of where we need to be in the future. So we know the way things have worked in the past. We know that hasn't attracted a lot of women into our industry. We're starting to move the needle from low percentages to double digit percentages, which is good. But again, that's taken quite a number of years. So how do we accelerate that to say 25% of the construction industry be women? How do we get there? So like you said, if we're at 13%, it's doubling it. It's always great to throw numbers and everybody loves to use numbers, but numbers take effort. And the effort is really coming from a leadership standpoint and understanding what are we going to do better and how do we make it more safe and inclusive uh, and say, this is a good industry for women to come in and work in and that they feel safe to, to come and work in our industry. I love it. I want to still go back to that workshop because you learned something there. You talked about hearing the conversation, hearing the perspective from women in your own company, from other companies. What did you learn from being a part of that conversation? The couple takeaways is people hear, but do they listen, right? So sometimes we do a lot of talking and I don't know that we do a lot of active listening. So for me is, can we be active listeners? And again, that comes back to the education part of this is what both men and women are talking to each other are both sides listening to each other. That's number one, I think for me is, is understanding that. And then, like I said, I, I keep coming back to um, the biases as to what's happened in the past. There could have been a bad experience with something. Somebody will say, well, I had a bad experience because I had this situation on a site or whatever. Again, it's not relevant to today's workforce. How do we make sure that we make the environment safe and make sure we have the right facilities and and set the right tone to make sure it's safe and inclusive for women to come and work in a construction environment. So 
I love it. We always talk about taking action. So what kind of actions have you taken to just kind of lean into that curiosity? Because as you're speaking, like my heart is lighting up because you're taking, I don't know if you remember this, but we have like a coaching tool, which is called like above the line versus below the line behavior. And above the line is leaning into curiosity, asking more questions. Below the line is blaming, um, not taking action, pointing the finger at other people. And every action you're talking about is above the line. It's like, just because we couldn't solve it before doesn't mean we can't solve it in the future. And you're leaning into your curiosity. So I'm actually curious what you learned by being curious, by thinking bigger picture, by approaching it from a, like, what would be possible instead of that approach of like, what is not possible and from an abundance perspective versus a scarcity perspective. Everything you're saying is kind of that model. And I'm curious what you learned. The first one is in our senior management meetings, when we get together, we make sure that we actually talk about our diversity inclusion as part of the whole management meeting, right? So it's now part of the regular meeting to understand what have we done? What have we seen in successes from our standpoint and start talking about where are our high potential women in the business and where are their next moves and understand that to make sure that we look for successful assignments in the future. So if it's part of your regular conversation, it doesn't get lost into this once a year, you talk about it and your number. So it's part of a regular conversation as anything, if it's current and you're talking about it and it's relevant, you're now talking about possibilities and actual solutions as to where we're going to move the needle and where we see good fits for women in management and moving into management, not just an administrative position, because we feel that, as you said earlier, the, the numbers are skewed more on the admin side than they are in the management side. So how do we get more women in management and build that success? We believe that once we see women are successful in management, that gives hope to the whole chain below that I can be successful too, right? Totally. One of our clients told me, if you can see it, you can be it. Which 13% of the workforce being women, there's not a lot that you can see. So when you see those women in senior leadership positions, you realize it's a possibility for you too. I'm also curious as it seems like you're spending a lot of time and resources on kind of like trying to get more women into leadership. I'm curious if there was any pushback. You know, there hasn't been because, again, I think we've been on the journey for 15 years, as I said, since I've been in the organization. And I think we went through all the fears and why it's not going to work 15 years ago. So I think we've seen the progression go to where it's just more of an ongoing conversation and understanding. And because we started 15 years ago, we're lucky that we had young women in the organization that we've been able to coach and mentor and take on successful positions in our company. So it's really now, how do we, how do we build on that success and capitalize on it even more? You're so excited about this stuff. So I'm curious, was there like an epiphany moment or an aha moment where you're like, this is important. I need to spend time learning about this, bringing my team on board and executing this in the company. Was there a point in time where you can remember where that kind of light bulb turned on for you? Have you ever experienced imposter syndrome? It's that feeling that you don't deserve to be there and you don't know what you're doing. At any moment, people will reveal that you're a fraud and that you don't belong. Until recently, imposter syndrome was considered an internal problem, something that's in your head and it was up to you, the individual, to solve this problem. 
I want to tell you today that this assumption is wrong. There is new research that explains why imposter syndrome is a systemic issue and not an individual problem. We've created a free report exploring the evidence and providing strategies companies can use to address this. Here's the truth. If you're a woman in construction, imposter syndrome is not all in your head. Get the report at ambitiontheory.ca forward slash imposter. I think once we moved away from saying that you're looking for a quota or something like that, and it became part of the management structure. The exciting thing for me is I actually was bold enough to go have a meeting with one of our market areas. I met with four successful women at lunch and one of our women general managers. So myself and five women having an open discussion at lunch. One of the things that I really enjoyed is listening to their journey that they said, we don't want to be a number of that. And we got to be successful because we did it on our own. And they were very proud that they're respected because they do a job and they do a job well. It was from somebody who'd become an owner in the company to somebody you know, in a, in a larger company being in a significant management position also. Again, they were proud of their work and their accomplishments, not because they're a woman. So for us and for me, I think it's always good to make sure we're giving the same fairness to all employees and including women, the opportunity and what they do with the opportunity is really up to them, right? We can't go make somebody successful. So we have to look for that talent that wants the opportunity and sees the opportunity. Then if we see that talent, we have to then take that opportunity to help water and fertilize and build that talent, right? When we see that. One of the things that I believe in heavily is hire for attitude and train the rest. If we see the right attitude, it's on us to make sure that we foster that and help build that employee's career. That sounds like a great opportunity to get out of your comfort zone. And anyone listening, I would encourage you to do that too. Visit a market and take some women out for lunch and hear their story. It's such a powerful way of learning. So thanks for sharing that. So at Amishu Theory, we talk about our main leadership model is the transactional versus the transformational. Transactional is that typical top-down. Transformational is more collaborative, setting that vision and inviting people onto that journey. The interesting thing is that women naturally veer towards that transformational side, men naturally towards that transactional side. Obviously, there's people on both sides of the spectrum and construction industry needs both. You need that person that can get everyone on the same page, get the deadlines set, get the budget set. We also need those people that can inspire other people, build those relationships. I'm really curious what you've noticed about the transformational leaders that you work with and the value that they bring to the company. Yeah. So the best transformation part is when you have employees that have supported each other. So the greatest successes have been in when we see women and men working together and we see that they have different talents and helps them be successful in their career. I then see now that mutual respect where, hey, now that I've seen you move in position and you're going to need some help, I'm going to help you also, right? It gets back to Never just be a taker, be a giver too, right? I do uh, a lot of coaching and mentoring and I'll spend one or two years potentially coaching some young employees and I do enjoy it. But one of my favorite sayings is make sure you pay it forward. Don't just be a taker, make sure you give back. I love it. And it sounds like you're, you've like created this culture that way. And so, so how do you introduce people? Like I know you go around and you coach people, but like you work at a, you bury many, many employees. So you can't be in touch with all of them. How have you baked that attitude into the culture so that 
it's, it's just kind of the way things are done. I think it's consistent messaging. For me, I do hold the four Western Canada town halls per year, right? Where 500 and some employees attend and it's live stream. So everybody can get access, ask me questions live. So again, I think it's just making yourself accessible. You're right. You can't touch 4,000 employees in Western Canada. But again, when you're out doing site visits, try not to be an industrial tourist where you're just going around with management. So one of the things that I particularly do is is make sure that, that I go out and talk to all different sectors of our employees. And I always want to know who the high potentials are when I get to a site from a high potential women's standpoint. If there is somebody that they say, I make a special effort to make sure I go talk to them. I ask them about their journey, ask what they think about how we're treating women in construction and how would they attract more women to our industry. That's from welders to, to QC, to ground people, to we have actual plant operators. We actually have quite a few women in some different sectors. So it's always interesting for me to go talk to them and get that perspective because that's how I learn is understanding their perspective, what's made them successful and what are we doing? in this particular part of our business that makes them feel comfortable in working for us in that part of our business. I love it. So I'm curious about kind of diversity on your leadership team. I know you have some pretty lofty goals to just get more women into leadership. That's really a high priority for Lafarge. Can you talk about the value that will bring to the company? Well, it's happening now, but as your leadership gets more and more diverse. Yeah, right now, I mean, in my direct reports, there's 20% women, which is good. And I just want to celebrate that because that's above the industry average. That's something to celebrate, right? 13% of the workforce is women and you're actually indexing over that. So I just want to acknowledge that. So keep going. Yeah, again, if you were 100% men sitting around the table talking about how are you going to get more women in construction versus having 20% in your exco and you're having the same discussion, at least you have that diversity there at the table with you. And it's not just about the diversity part. I mean, it's making sure that we continually talk about exco should be diverse enough that you foster different thinking and how you're going to run your business. And again, how you run your business in the past is not how you're going to run it in the future. And that goes in all different aspects of our business from innovation and sustainability, that's going to change rapidly over the next five years. We have to think rapidly different. So like I said, having a diverse exco around the table is very good to foster those curious conversations. As you say, it helps with open dialogue too, right? Is making sure that the way I run my meetings are more open dialogue than sit there and look at data. So we tend to come to our expos and, and look to make sure we're making decisions for the company and how to move it forward too. So. I love it. So it's like you're bringing that transformational approach to your meetings and then just inviting different opinions. I'm just really curious from a business perspective, how has that helped kind of with the business strategy side of things? Any business's strategy is to grow your revenues and grow your bottom line and look at how you insert people to make sure that they're aligned with those things. You know, in Western Canada, we've had to deal with some pretty tough circumstances from, from the oil downturn to now we're dealing with inflation. So Again, you need people that can adapt and change very quickly to the ever increasing challenges in running the business, right? Their challenges is making sure that they think and they're transformational and they're encouraging their employees below them and making sure that they foster that good decision-making below them so we can be successful in, in business and, and get the returns that we need for our shareholders. I love it. Okay, so now I want you to talk about the bigger picture vision for engaging women at Lafarge. Tell us. What are you imagining in like 10, 15, 20 years? 
what it'll be like. Well, I can't say that I've looked at 10 years forward, but I'm quite excited. It wasn't my idea, but we started a, a women's group in Western Canada. And I know you presented to them early on in their formation and, uh, and they quite enjoyed that. I think if we have an environment where we can get great feedback from women and understand what are we doing well, what can we change that we come up with a plan and can move it forward and we can move it forward quickly. I think we have success, right? The challenge will be is if we don't continue to foster that thought process, it'll stall. And we don't want it to stall, which is why, again, it's part of our regular conversation. The senior men leaders are going to be invited to our wild groups to make sure that they listen in and understand and can participate and can be part of a panel. So it's not going to be an exclusive women's group as you did in your ambition theory is to make sure that men aren't excluded from listening to the dialogue because that's the way we're going to learn. So yeah, I think listening and learning will be the part that will move the needle forward for the next 10 years. As far as setting a path, listen, it's like anything. If we say we want 25% of women in management and construction in our business, we have to put some effort into that. So we just have to make sure that we focus on those areas of opportunity. And like I said, I'm going to come back to those areas of opportunity and understand those and really use those to our advantage to make sure that we successfully move women forward. Like you said, that brings the success forward because women have to support women for this to work also, right? I'm a big proponent of that is it doesn't matter race, nationality, culture, gender, whatever. We all have had to start somewhere and we all have had to deal with adversity within our careers. So women are a section of that. And again, how do we make sure that they support each other to be successful? And like I said, that's a good focus of mine. I'd like the momentum we have in our women at West Can, And I really want to make sure that we continue to listen and learn and use those learnings on both sides of women and men. And that's where I see that success really starting to push forward. Uh, like you said, the world's our oyster in 10 years, right? I mean, if 50% of the population is women and 50% of the population is men, do we have an opportunity where the workforce is, is that balanced? I don't know. Maybe that is the ultimate goal. I don't know. I, know. I love it that you're open to that though. <laughs> Shutting any doors. The world is your oyster. You said it. So Brad, you've been on this journey for 15 years and I'm wondering if you can come up with an action. So we end every podcast with a 24 hour action. So it's something small that you can do after learning something new. And you taught me a lot today and I'm sure people listening are learning a lot as well, but you've been on this journey for 15 years. So what could somebody do that's in a senior leadership position that's at the beginning of their journey just to kind of lean into that curiosity and get started? What would you recommend? Yeah, I think the, the easiest thing to do is go ask who are the women in our business that have the right attitudes and the greatest potential and go foster a conversation with them. Really, it, it should be 15, 20 minutes and just make sure that it's a curious conversation versus firing questions. The greatest value you can ever get at an employee, in my opinion, is ask very small snippets and make sure you get the employee talking and listening. And I think once you foster that dialogue and you get them talking, you have a great opportunity to say, hey, we're willing to listen. It's a statement that we say a lot, but I think your employees will tell you what's working and what's not working very quickly. The positive part of the conversation would be is leaving off with saying, hey, we want to figure out how we move this forward and what are you seeing and how can I help? I love it. So just find those high potential women and book a 15 minute call with them and show up with curiosity. I love that action. And it's such a short amount of time. I love that. It's just 
to get the ball rolling. So thank you for sharing that. So Brad, how do people connect with you? Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. Spelling of my last name is the traditional German, K-O-H-L. They can find me on LinkedIn and they're certainly willing to provide any further advice I can. It's not something that's overly complex that I've described here. It's three key things, open dialogue, listening, and understanding that the past is going to dictate the future. You do have to start somewhere, but you know, uh, success breeds success. So how do you look at where you're going to have your quick wins and some early successes and foster that type of culture in your organization? I love it. And how do people learn more about Lafarge? Go to our website at lafarge.com and you can see what we do in Western Canada. We're over 6,000 employees in all of Canada. We're a big employer in the construction industry. In Western Canada, we have probably one of the more diverse portfolios in the company. We're in concrete products, asphalt, construction, paving, cement, and ready mix and aggregate. So we have uh, lots of opportunities in our different product lines. And we do have lots of women that work in all of those product lines, which is very interesting. And, and you know, with all our diversity in our product lines, uh, somebody can do a different job and not have to leave the company if they have an interest. That's some of the interesting things that we bring is to be able to offer some variety if they want to take a challenge at some other, other business. I love it. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I learned a lot and I'm so grateful for this interview. All right. You're welcome. Thank you.